The Matthew Wright Show on Crucible of Broadcast Excellence. Talk Radio. Put it on and keep it on. Too busy to catch us on the afternoons on Talk Radio. Too many children to care for. Too many jobs to manage. Well, never fear. Help is here in the shape of the Matthew Wright podcast, where we cut down three hours of entertainment and enlightenment every afternoon into tiny bite-sized morsels just for you, you busy so-and-so. So sit back and enjoy the best of the Matthew Wright Show here on Talk Radio. Right now, I want to talk about uh, Pretty Patel's uh, Get Tough Immigration Controls, which, uh, despite being uh, warmly welcomed by a few, seem to have been roundly condemned by many. Uh, we're talking business groups like the CBI, unions like, like the uh, Farmers Union, the NFU, as well as hospitality bosses, building bosses, construction, care workers, and so on. Uh, what are the rules? Well, in, in essence, anybody who wants to come here to work must have a job offer with a salary threshold, a minimum of uh, a salary threshold of 25,600 with a floor level of 20,000 and a bit acceptable in certain cases uh, where we have a skill shortage like nursing. There's going to be no route here for self-employed people coming from uh, Europe, so no more Polish plumbers or Romanian builders. Uh, border control will no longer accept EU ID cards. Uh, this is to actually clamp down on, I believe, on non-EU workers beating the system with forged or stolen cards. Um, but as I said, it, it's, it's, it's the condemnation that has come from so many corners, including former Tory Health Secretary Stephen Dorrell, who branded uh, Pretty Patel's policy as the worst kind of dog whistle politics. In, in fact, Patel herself admitted that had these rules been in place back in the 1960s, then her own parents wouldn't have been allowed to come to this country and become very successful news agents, uh, indeed producing a daughter who's gone on to become Home Secretary. Um, I won't bore you with uh, all the many comments uh, uh, sort of raining down. Um, um, UK Hospitality Chief Kate Nichols uh, said the, uh, the changes would be disastrous for hotels and bars. Um, Brian Berry, head of the Federation of Master Builders, uh, said that uh, today's announcement that there will no longer be a route will hamper key construction projects like HS2. What will it mean for ordinary people? How will it play out here in Britain? I'm going to turn first uh, to uh, Ali Kappa, National Farmers Union Horticultural Board Chair. Uh, so that's apples uh, and uh, employs, I would imagine, Ali, uh, plenty of seasonal workers. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Yes, we do. So it strikes me, at least, that uh, Pretty Patel's uh, immigration controls are going to hit those who hire lots of seasonal workers very hard indeed, Ali. The devil, as always, is in the yes, detail. Yes, yes. Um, so um, it's great news that we have had the expansion of the seasonal workers scheme today. Um, the detail is, of course, that as freedom of movement ends at the beginning of next year, um, 10,000 is not enough. No. Um, how, how many are, how many uh, migrant seasonal workers do you think have, have come to work on our farms? So the sector needs um, between seventy and eighty thousand seasonal workers each year, um, and uh, it, the, the precise numbers are quite tricky because some people do move from sector to sector. So one person may come in and do some soft fruit work through the summer, yeah. and then move into, say, for example, top fruit or daffodils towards the end of the season. So. Um, the numbers are in the region of seventy to 80,000, and that's the number that we need for 2021. And indeed, the sector begins recruitment in the autumn of 2020. What do you so say... We so we are facing a cliff edge. 
So, uh, uh, and I think you are, Ali. So what do you say to those people who have been on social media? There's loads of comments out there saying what we need you to do is get lazy British sponges off their backsides, out into the fields, doing the picking that has been done by migrants. Those of us, I think, who can remember that documentary on, I think it's an asparagus farm up in Peterborough, will recall that the seasonal workers were turning up uh, on time, working a full shift and picking loads of asparagus. The locals tended to turn up when it suited them and weren't very good at picking asparagus. And I think if I was an asparagus farmer in Peterborough, I'd be concerned. Um, I'm going to leave somebody else to talk about work ethic of different cultures. Um, the reality is that we have the lowest unemployment rate we've had for 41 yeah. years. Yeah. It's 3.6 or 7%. And um, when unemployment sits below 5%, you don't have to unemployment in an economy. Ask an economist. That's not me saying that. Yeah. Um, there ergo, we don't really have um, large numbers of people sitting waiting to do seasonal work. We also, let's not forget, this is seasonal work where you need to be uh, able to live and work rurally um, and you need to be able to move from farm to farm for that work. That often doesn't suit people in a first world economy because they've got mortgages, they've got financial commitments. And that's why every first world economy brings workers from elsewhere to do these types of jobs. So if we look at what's happened in America, ironically, under Trump, um, the numbers doing seasonal work since 2017, a proper proper um, effort has been put in place, and the numbers have increased by 150%. <laughs> um, we are the only country in Europe that is trying to ignore the fact that workers come from elsewhere to do these jobs. Germany has a system that is bringing hundreds of thousands of people from the Ukraine and further afield. Um, there, are, there is a reliance in southern Europe on African countries. It's just a fact of life. And that um, means that we, too, if we want to be able to compete, if we want to be able to grow iconic British crops like asparagus, strawberries and apples, we have to have the workers to enable us to do that. It's as simple as that. We're facing a cliff edge this government has no choice. They're going to have to take 10,000 permits and scale it up ASAP. I hope so they that do. We can recruit this autumn. Um, and, and without it, the whole sector will contract. The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio. Hayley Forrest is her name. Her home is in uh, Berry near, uh, uh, in, uh, I'm trying to say, in the Romney Valley in Wales. Uh, and I believe she's been so badly flooded, she's been forced to move out and is currently at her mum's. Hayley joins us on the line now. Good afternoon to you. Hi, um. I'm, I am. I was just saying, I spoke to a, a friend of mine in uh, Abergavenny and uh, I, I was given, given a very grim story down there. What's it like in, in Romney Valley? Oh, it's terrible, Emma. That's terrible. Like I said, I've been forced out of my home. My home had just been trashed. But luckily enough, it's clearing up now. But you, when you, when you say trashed, I mean, how many years have you been there? Have you ever had any kind of flooding before? No, um, I bought the house sixteen months ago, and it was all done brand new. My mum and other family members have lived in that house and next door for the last seventy, eighty years, and not a problem whatsoever. Gosh. Are you, are you on a floodplain? Are you close to the river? No, what it is, we have a culvert behind our house uh-huh. and the council is supposed to maintain it, but they have not. 
So this could have been avoided. a little bit better than what it is, yeah. Do you think it could have been avoided altogether? I mean, I'm, I, 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 I'm regularly on the Usk and the Y, and I've seen them in full space, and uh, certainly on the Usk, I mean, quite close to the, the top of the arches of the bridges. Mm. But uh, looking at the the, the, uh, the bridge in uh, Abergavenny, I, I have to say I've never seen it that high. Um I, I, I've been an advocate for improved farming practices to try and keep the, the mud, the soil on the land rather than see it run off in our rivers. But I was getting the impression from, from my friends in Abergavenny that in actual fact, this instance, it's just there's just too much water. That no, Even if with improved farming practices and such like cleaning of culverts, it would still be a massive problem. Would you agree with that, Hayley? Yeah, it still would have been a problem, but I don't think my house would have been as bad right. so, if, if it had been maintained. Do you um do you wonder where our prime minister is? Would you would you like to see him visit to you in uh, Berry? I would, yes, yes. See the state I'm in the moment, yes. Do you have what would you like to see change for the future? I mean, assuming we get your house back together, um, would you stay there or, or would you look to move? Yeah, I will stay here. Yeah, not thinking about moving. Have you lost furniture, Haley? I mean, it, what's been damaged apart from so the water's come in? Has it? Is it? Is it in the first floor? I mean, how far has it gone? Just luckily enough, my downstairs right because i come home luckily enough i come home when i did mm. because it was just starting to seep in then that oh. was just before midnight on saturday unbelievable so i was there to open my doors to let it run in one door and out the other mm. but my next door neighbor wasn't so lucky he wasn't there so the pressure of the water actually blew his front window through it and all his contents of his house went down the street with us Get away! Yeah, and then there's me and two houses opposite me, which have completely gone right through. There's nothing whatsoever they could have done that night to actually stop it from happening. And and the water, what's the water doing at the moment? It's all cleared now, a minute. Everything's cleared. Like, so the council have been up now to sort the calvert out. Oh, no, you're, you're telling me they've come and cleaned the calvert after, after the flood? After it all happened, yep. Even the night it happened, OK, it was so bad that night that there was nothing no one could have done. But it was the fire brigade that actually went up in the morning and cleared the culvert out rather than the council. This is, this is not good, Hayley. I mean, this really isn't good. You must be very angry with the, with the local council. But then I guess maybe they're short of cash. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you say that. It was only 20 years ago. Like I said, my mum lives in the house next yeah. to where yeah. I am now. And her and I think it was eight other residents of the street paid, I think it was £2,000 each, to sort the calvert on the understanding that the council will maintain it for 99 years. And 20 years later, this has happened in my house and a few others. Are you um, you going to take, I mean, elite, I don't know what action you have available to you, but, I mean, talking to us is a start. Talking to your local papers, I would suggest, is also very useful. Well, we've got the MP on our side at the moment. Great. Now, side our corner. But, like I said, we've just got to wait now and see what... Um, what are they doing about it? I suppose the worry is there's more rain forecast. I mean, yeah. I, I live on the edge of the River Severn, so I'm between the two bridges on the, right. yeah. uh, I mean, the Welsh bridges. The, and, the uh, flood warnings on the Severn are, are, are pretty grim yeah. at the moment. I've Amanda. never seen anything like it. I mean, the fields have been given over to water. It looks like a lake. You know, there's ducks are on you, it. Like uh, it's are you in danger yourself, Amanda? No, or no not? we're not. We are, very, we are high up at farms on the top of a hill, but the land is all underwater. But actually, our house is, is safe, thank goodness, because it's high. But the lanes are all like rivers running through it, you know, and when do you think you're, you're... I mean, it's difficult to tell because you have to dry the house out with uh, um, moisture extractors and such like. And that I was tired. I think when that happened to me, it took two months of having these things running 24 hours a day, gallons of water taken out. Have you any idea when you can get back in, Hayley? 
No, none at all, because obviously I've got to have a brand new kitchen, I've got to have oh all my walls hacked off, ready soaked in, i got to... Uh, there's a lot to do before I can move back in. The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio. So I want, I want to turn now um, to the, uh, the rather unpleasant, distasteful subject of uh, Andrew Sabisky, oh. um, hired, I think we can safely assume, at Dominic Cummings' behest. Uh, remember the, uh, the Downing Street advisor was on a search for misfits and weirdos. Well, he certainly found one in Sabisky who has some frankly appalling views. Uh, he thought that uh, it didn't matter if the odd child died uh, on, if you medicated others and improved their, their life prospects. He's got racist views. He's just a thoroughly unpleasant and distasteful person. I, I was talking to a uh, um, uh, to a drill minister, a drill minister earlier, uh, and uh, he was saying that, that the black community have basically been outraged by some of the stuff that Sabisky had said. Quite right. And too. he was wondering, um, drill, drill minister, as many others have been, as, as to whether or not. Well, that he felt very strongly that Downing Street should explain itself and apologise, and I'm uh, slightly confused as to why no one has yet put their head above the parapet to do it. It's been suggested uh, by other uh, uh, sort of lobbyists. Uh, down at Westminster, that the um, the plan to find more misfits and weirdos continues and that uh, if they were to apologise for this, it would look like some kind of admission of failure. I'm going to turn to a lawyer and women's rights activist uh, for her views, Dr Shola Moshek Bamimu. Sorry, Bamimu. And she joins us on the line. Dr Shola, good afternoon. How did you feel when you... I mean, you may well have been aware of some of the stuff that Sabisky had said in the past, and it is his past thoughts that have really come back to sort of uh, bite him. Um, how did you feel when you became aware of the sort of views that he has on eugenics and such like uh, when he was made a Downing Street aide? Oh, I'll be surprised. Look, to be perfectly honest with you, I was not surprised, but at the same time, I was outraged that we have a government that seems to be allowed to get away with this kind of thing. And the reason I'm not surprised is because, Matthew, look, we've talked about Boris Johnson. We've talked about his, um, his ability to lie through everything, the fact that he's untrustworthy and the kind of people he surrounds himself with, right, and the thinking and the fact that his words and his comments ride on the fumes of far-right rhetoric. We've talked about that for a good number of years, yet people put him in number 10. So it shouldn't surprise people that an Andrew Sabinski got the opportunity to work as a special advisor. Heck, all we know is Andrew Sabinski now. It makes me question who else within his special advisors thinks this way. <laughs> yes. Because Andrew Sabinski, as far as I'm concerned, is a reflection of his employer. And the fact that um, neither Do- you know, Dominic Cummins nor um, Boris Johnson think, think that they should come out and explain themselves to the public, I actually want to put that responsibility at our feet. Because, you see, during the elections, they got away with jack all. They got away with not, you know, with, with avoiding scrutiny. They got away with giving us all kinds of nonsense that each time they were challenged on and sometimes not even challenged on, they did not feel compelled to respond. But yet, we give them the highest office in the land. So why in heaven's name does anybody expect them to now, to now realize, oh, actually, we should come out and say something, when people did not put them in a position whereby they do not have unfettered power. So yeah, the Andrew Sabiskis of this world exist. 
But we currently live in a Britain which is divided by divisive rhetoric, um, divided by all of these issues around Islamophobia, homophobia, racism. And it's coming to light because we, we allow ourselves to have leaders and people in high-profile positions who get away with saying these things, and we call it misspeak. We call it, yes. oh, well, it, it was wrong, it, it wasn't racist, it's this, it's not that. Because we live in that, in this kind of environment, that is why the Andrew Sabinskis can come out and, did you see his tweet about resigning? Yeah. He, he, he showed no remorse, no change of mindset. He said, oh, he just wants to save number 10 from this drama. Can you believe that? Now, yeah. if he's saying that, that is because, that's because neither Dominic Collins or um, Boris Johnson took him to task. That's why. Well, I just wonder whether um, uh, uh, there's a number of people that are uh, of note who, who have written, uh, academics mainly, who've written into, uh, I think it was The Guardian today. Uh, one of them I, I took a note of is Chris Sinner, uh, honorary professor at uh, UEA. Uh, and uh, he wrote that racism entrenched in this government's policies we already know from the Windrush scandal and the Home Office's mm -hmm. hostile environment. Now it seems that it is to be embedded as ideological choice and political direction at the heart of government. Sabisky has resigned, but whoever hired him in the first place should be sacked and our citizens should be warned this is where the Johnson government is quite consciously, quite ruthlessly headed, unless we can stop it. Would you concur with all of that? Oh, every single word is truth. But you see, the reality is what has just been written today in, in, in that column is what people have been saying for years. Yet we have a majority of this country that decided that Brexit was far more important than the values we hold, that it's far more important that ensuring inequality and injustice does not continue to structure the, you know, our lived experiences. So, you know, it's all well and good all of us saying these things, us being outraged, us, you know, pointing, you know, rightfully the finger and saying, you are wrong here and this needs to be dealt with. But we do not gather um, collective, uh, what you would call it, power in saying that actually this is so wrong. The roots of this problem are those that we've given the power and who are exercising this power in the wrong way. We do not use our collective power through our votes, through our voices. We're not going to make any difference. You and I will still be having this conversation. Yes, I think we will. Now. I think we will. I'm just, I mean, there, there's, an, there's a, I think, an even darker aspect to this, if you'll permit me, Shola, which is that Sabisky, uh, of his many flaws, which is um, attending uh, dodgy meetings uh, with very dodgy people, it's been alleged to hanging out with white supremacists, but he also seems yeah. to have a clear interest in eugenics, uh, the science, oh. if we like, uh, of creating a, a master race or of getting rid of anything that doesn't fit with that perspective. Now, in 2013, uh, there was a headline, uh, I believe, uh, from The Observer, in which the headline was, Michael Gove, who was then Education Secretary, is urged to reject AIDS' chilling views... The aide was Dominic Cummings, and the chilling views were a paper he'd written out on uh, eugenics. And, of course, it's, it up, it's Dominic you? Cummings that we believe is responsible for the hiring of Andrew Sabisky seven years right. down the line, Shola. Exactly, exactly. You see, this is the problem right here. It's all well and good. You know, you and I are on the same page. I think all of us on this call are on the same Most page. Most sensible mm -hmm. people are. Yeah, I hope to God the listeners are as well. But can I just say the responsibility for allowing this thing to grow, this kind of hatred and this, the, the, the white supremacy that exists in our highest offices, the, the responsibility for allowing this to grow is actually at our doorstep. 
I agree. Right? I because agree. We know exactly who we put in number 10. Mm. We know exactly who we've allowed him to come, you know, come along with him, whether it's Dominic Cummings or anybody else. But yet we said, it's okay. Brexit is more important. Or all you people, you're just lying. You're just project fear. So it gets to the point that it is so important. I'm going to say this to every single person listening. Under no circumstances should we give up over. Under no circumstances should we allow this kind of rhetoric, this kind of behavior to go ahead, you know, in front of us. We have to step right in front of it. And if you enjoyed all of that, make sure you tune in to The Matthew Wright Show with Kevin O'Sullivan every weekday from 1 on Talk Radio.